one too. Yep, that works. Good to see everyone that's made it in for this afternoon service. I pray the Lord will bless and guide us as we study and learn together. Uh, it's a good thing that as a church we can enjoy a little bit of, of levity uh, whenever uh, something occurs. And uh, I hope you didn't take it out of line. Never thought of uh, you, Nancy being my funeral director, but uh, that's understandable as well. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, and we're going to go down uh, and read uh, quite a bit of a section that is there. I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing for this morning's message. And uh, part of what I was thinking about is just how far, far away we have fallen from the truth of God's Word. And uh, I, I just want to reassure you of one thing. I am so glad we love each other. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, when we see people that have not been able to be with us for a while and they return, we rejoice. We don't look down on them. We rejoice that they have come back home. Uh, maybe that's because we're small. Maybe that's because we, uh, we enjoy the things of God so much. But a church that doesn't love is doomed for failure. A church that doesn't know how to love is doomed for failure. Let me say this with all, with all truthfulness. If I ever offend you, and, and I know that I say things in a joking fashion, we all have a little bit of that in us. Maybe I'm a bit sarcastic or sardonic. And I have a tendency of, of just saying things that are not right. But I don't mean it to be offensive or to lift myself above anyone else. But if in, in any case, if I have said anything that's an offense to any member that is here, would you please forgive me? And I mean that with all my heart. Because I'm not perfect. And every day I am learning more about Jesus Christ. I'm learning more about who he is in me. And I think that's what we have here with the Apostle Paul. And I want you to read, you know, and I'm going to do my best to try to get through Romans uh, chapter 1 without making a, a boatload of mistakes. And so we're going to slow down our reading a little bit, but I want you to see what it says in regards to the Apostle Paul, not necessarily to a church that is established in Rome, but to believers that are in Rome. And I'll explain to you just a little bit about that. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had prom promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye, all, uh, are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saved, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have noticed that so far he has not addressed a church? So far he has just addressed saints. And there's a reason I believe behind that as well. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit 
in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may, may be, excuse me, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was not lent hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in, is, is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and its salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. By the way, that's also evolution. If you don't believe me, that's evolution. Wherefore, God also gave them uncleanness to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor them who changed the truth of God Amen. For this cause God for that into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, having the natural use of the of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat, that is homosexuality. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, 
not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Let us pray. Again, Father, I pray that you will just guide us and that you will use us today, not only around your word, but that we as a people might understand that we are living not only in wicked times, but a time in which we see the fulfillment of your word all around us. Lord, we, we see the things that are going on in Israel, and Lord, we have to admit that uh, those things are terrifying to us. But Lord, we know this as well, is that in our own country, we are amazed when we stand for Israel. We're even more amazed, Lord, when we uh, don't truly trust you the way that we should. We know we have a responsibility to declare the gospel to the world. And yet, Lord, we're, we're woefully mistaken when we think that that's already been fulfilled. Help us then, Father, to take the, the things that you have given us. Help us, Lord, not to be hard shell in our thinking, but let us look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we might understand the things that are given for the, the general good of each and every one that is here. So guide us and bless and direct. And we will rejoice in thy name, for in Christ we pray. Amen. I do realize that as I study the Word of God from time to time, my own studies have a tendency to redirect me into things that I, I really don't understand. I, I don't know why God laid this on my heart. Uh, I know this is that I see all the atrocities in this world. I see, especially as they seem to escalate in Israel. And, and we come back and we sit down and we try to make sense of it. We try to make sense of a, a, a people called Hamas. But do you realize that whether it is Palestine or the Palestinian people or so on and so forth, we are not giving ourselves over to appease them we should be always thinking upon appeasing, appeasing God. Now, I will say this, that we as a people have forsaken the truth of things of God, and for that reason, we are in dire straits. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. This first chapter, and again, I, I can read the book of Romans, and the more I read it, the more amazed I am. It is perfectly placed where it is after the four Gospels, after the book of Acts, and right where it's at. Now, it doesn't mean it has a chronological order. Because you can throw that pretty much out the window. These letters were written unto the different peoples as the necessity came. And so when the book of Romans was written, there had already been a move toward the message of deliverance of Jesus Christ to these Roman people. But the time that Paul... Let me explain this to you. If you will, go to uh, Acts chapter 28. Let's go down to verse 17. And once again, Paul is... Uh, we're going to read towards the end of the verse, or the end of the chapter. Paul... And it came to pass after three days, Paul called the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or custom of our fathers, yet was I under the hands of the Romans, who, when they examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. 
But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse the, my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Now notice the reason that he was bound. For the hope of Israel. If you want to underline that, you should do so. Look what it says in verse 21. And they said unto him, <laughs> you would, this is a surprising verse, we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of thy scriptures declare it, or those in the way, those that were there was a lack against them. This they knew. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses, out of the and from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. Now, we, that's all we know. There were some that they, they listened and they said, well, we believe you. But as a nation, as a people, they rejected the things of Christ. And when they agreed not amongst themselves, there's the reason. And when they agreed not amongst themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well, In other words, here say that, yes, I am a Jew, and I'm not talking spiritual Jew, I'm talking true Jew, that it may he that they will hear it. Now, there's just as much requirement, there's just as much force, there's just as much ability as going to be taken towards the Jewish people. And when they had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning amongst themselves. In other words, they were questioning all afterwards. And Paul dwelt two whole years and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all Now do you see why because as you conclude in the book of Acts you suddenly 
was in his own confined state. And in this letter, he is saying, this is what... We know of. But the reality is, is that he had of the paganism that was in Rome. There would have been different gods that they served. There would have been the Bacchus feast. There would have been the Venus. There would have been everything. I don't know if Venus was Greek or, or Roman. I can't remember right now. But nonetheless, they served or a Greek god and even other gods. So much so that the Caesars were afraid of offending any god. Now, I want you to understand this. The Caesars were afraid of offending any god. So when they heard that Jesus Christ arose from the dead, they took that serious. Now, this is what a lot of people don't understand. They knew that they were doing wrong in themselves, but they wanted to make sure that this Jesus whom they served was going to be someone that they could really rely upon. That's where the message would carry them. The reality is, is that the Jews had done everything they could to dog the Apostle Paul. Let's go back, if you will, to Acts chapter 15. And I want to show you one area. In the book of Acts chapter 15, there was a call for, for Paul in Galatia and had already established several churches in Asia Minor. And their home church, which was at, at Antioch, which we can see in chapter 14 at the conclusion, after they had reported to the church at Antioch, the church at Antioch said, we got a problem because we've already had all of these Pharisees who claim to be believers have approached us as well. Look at verse 1. And it said, And certain men which came down from Judea uh, taught brethren and said, Except you be circumcised, after the matter of Moses, you cannot be saved. Where did Jesus ever preach that? It's not, it's nowhere found. Matter of fact, let me just say this. We have to be careful when the laws of men collide with the law of God. And reality is that we're living now where salvation occurs. The Roman Catholics are very good creating their own religion based upon the fact that, well, we believe that the Pope is, you know, in direct communication with God. And because he is like Christ incarnate upon this earth, when he declares a law, it doesn't matter or anything else for that matter. But look at this, what we have here. We have men that are trying to intermingle their beliefs with faith and see what that hurts. Where, when their No, 
circumcision. And being and being taught true believer. Maybe that rich young ruler was a true believer. We don't know. But these men could not to Christ and their need of Christ. I could go on, but the reality is, is that they heard all the arguments, and as they heard the arguments on both sides, consequences of the flesh. The flesh desires the things of this world, but the spirit desires the things of God. Is, are we not new creatures? So notice what the apostle, or, or what James, the pastor, and the apostle said. 
to them. Uh, he said unto them, he said, Wherefore my sentence is this, and this is in verse 19, Wherefore my sentence is this, that we trouble them not, which from among the Gentiles are turned to see God. But we write unto them that they have Remember, in, in, in fact, in, in uh, the book of Romans and also in Corinthians, it said, if the meats that are offered up unto idols is a stumbling block, don't do it. If wine causes the Lord's table, that's the commonality of drink. But notice what else? And fornication. Now that's what needs to be brought in. We should abstain and bring the flesh constant repair to God and from being strangled and from blood. In other words, these are things that can occur for the whole Matter of fact, may I point this out to you? If you study carefully, and I'm not going to get into it today, this is exactly what the apostles did. They went back and they delivered this message to those churches. They delivered this message to Antioch. They delivered this message everywhere they went. And guess what? The Jews hated him for it. So now you've got a church that not only hates the apostle Paul, and the Pharisees that are located in that. But you have those Pharisees which were of the high priest that they did the things of God. Number two, they desired to kill the Apostle Paul. Look at this. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. I don't know how many of you saw, have ever seen this before, but in Acts chapter 23, there was a determination to kill Paul. And look what it says going down to verse and when it was day, certain the Jews band together and That's pretty serious. And they were uh, they were more talk about something we you know first of all let me say this praise God when he protects us from things that we cannot see do you understand that there are things that we we don't even have a clue that are there we don't know Is, is that so many people are working If we know I mean, that's a simple thing, really. But if we're no by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe that. Look what else it says. They also had a desire to confuse the truth with the law which we saw also as well. Now I bring all that up to you so that we can understand the, the principles and the struggles that are in the world. Let me show you one other. And this one is completely 
different from the world which we live in. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. I want you to see this just for a moment. The struggle is not... The struggle is dealing with the struggle of, of what we call Palestine. In Genesis chapter 17, we find this man named Abram. He's already caused enough muddle, if you will, or enough problems, because he has listened to his wife. He has gone to bed with Hagar. They, there's a son that's now being conceived, whose name is Ishmael. And I want you to get this. There were 13 years from the time of Ishmael's birth to the time that God came again. Look at this. Go, if you will, to verse 16 of chapter 16. And Abram was forced Seventeen, verse one, and when Abraham was ninety-nine years old, ninety was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, "I am Almighty God; walk before me and be thou perfect." So now Abram is ninety-nine years of age. If you take the other method, you'll see that thirteen years have been silent. So you have a teenage boy that has learned every aspect from Abram. He's learned military. He's learned finances. He's learned how to build groups of people. He's learned all of these different things. And yet, God approaches Abram and says, I'm changing your name to Abraham. And I'm going to establish... This Because God can give you a van, and it's going to cost you a whole lot. And I'm a 4 star van, or I know, fix and repair daily. And quite a transmissions in that Ford. They guaranteed it for 30 days. And each time that that transmission went out, I was right back in the shop, and it cost me around two thousand dollars to repair that transmission every time. I finally shot that Ford by driving it to the junkyard and saying the engine's great, but other than that, it ain't worth a hoot. Be careful what you ask for. And so because Abraham had asked that Ishmael would be blessed and live before God, God would allow that. But look what God says to them. And God said, on this command. I think he literally said, 
inseparable. And then everybody else laughed. And I will establish my covenant and praise God, that is the covenant we hold on to. Because the covenant was going to be through Abram, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Judah, and on and on down the line. Yes, it's there. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, you ask for it. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Man, don't you wish he hadn't said it now? Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and we will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes, just there's the confusion rate. Do you realize that number twelve is the product of completion? And it looks like that he has been blessed of God, and I will make him a great nation. He's going to be a thorn in your flesh. Many people ask me right now about Hamas. Go back in that they hate their Jewish so much we can actually trace it all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 17 but let's also think about this the one thing I made a mention of this morning as we were looking at the first message was what do we know about the word of God and let's go back here if you will just for a moment to Genesis chapter 4 and in Genesis chapter 4 we find this great command and this great command is that, you know, first of all, you have the command of, of the law that was already given to, to uh, you know, to Adam and to Eve about if he, you eat of the fruit, bitten fruit, this is all going to occur. But look what else it says in Genesis chapter 4. The rebellion of Cain is on full display for us. Let's go down and look at verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel... keeper? And the answer is yes. I keep each and every one of you in, in prayer. I keep each and every one of you in mind. And in fact, the reality is if somebody has a special need, as we met with Brother Hilly, we jumped in and supported that the doctors, the lawyers, everybody, whatever was required, we sent them some funds to help them along the way. That's just part of it. So as a requirement, yes, I am a brother's keeper. And he said, what? At 
this very moment, God He was a sinner that partook of the same sins that we can read about in Genesis 2.17. But there was no written Everybody get this? There's no written law. But the reality is this earth. Now look what else it says. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a Listen to what he says. This is more than I can bear. This is it. Why does he say that? Because everywhere that Cain goes, he is a marked man. I won't even skip that. A little bit later on in the same chapter is a man by the name of Lamech. He married two women. And by all indications, he killed one. Of, he killed another man because he made eyes at one of his wives. And he said, if Cain is searched as a vagabond, I too will be searched as a vagabond. Here's the thing I've learned, and I want you all to bear with me. The laws of man without the support of God mean nothing. The laws of men without God behind them mean nothing. Do you realize that since 1964 we have had no laws in our country that have been looked at as God-given laws? Now, come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest with it. We have thought... Well, I'm so afraid my dad would find out. And if he could get out of the grave and he found out about it, and if he knew about it, he never said another word to me about it. But if that ever occurred, I'd be so afraid. In fact, one time, my, my principal was, uh, she was also a Christian lady, and I remember we went to a fellowship, and she saw me, and she goes, have you told your dad? Thank you, ma'am, for your food, and I just kept going on down the line. I was still afraid dad would find out. I'm serious. And the reality is, is that corporal punishment was designed not to keep me straight, but to correct the wrongdoing. In the long run, because corporal punishment was applied. Everybody with me? Because corporal punishment was applied, I learned to walk the straight and narrow. I thought she was going to spank me a little bit. Anyone ever been spanked with a paddle? That thing has a whole new term of torture. But I guarantee you, if you can get spanked one time with a paddle, you don't want any more. And her paddle had a little crack in it. Seemed like I was being lifted it to higher realms on high by that paddle. And when I came down, I was crying. And she hit me three times with that paddle. I thought, I don't want any more of this. Now, with that being said, let me say something. We have taken away corporal punishment from schools. 
We took God's word from schools. We took prayer from schools. And we've even taken the Pledge of Allegiance. Why do you think so many men think that they, they don't see any problem with their bowing of the knee when there is the announcement of the, the flag being, or the national anthem being played at football games or basketball games or anything else? Because they don't respect God, they are not going to respect our country. But we brought it upon ourselves. We've also allowed, because of this lack of enforcement of law, we've also brought immortality or immoral conditions upon every one of us like we've never known before. So much of an immoral mentality. Look what it says in verse 20 of Romans chapter 1. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Do you realize that we talk so much about the creation of the world? But because we no longer have a we have I mean, it's so sad that people are still afraid about the creation of the created a circular reasoning. And I remember the first time that I was introduced to evolution in school, and I went, what? Do you realize I was already in the fifth or sixth grade when evolution was taught? I said, that's not right. That goes against everything the Bible Now watch this. We're our own damage. I don't mean to hurt any, if you're a school teacher, as I was, I hope you understand. But when we, when we tell our kids, you go to school, they're not going to lie to you. You know what we've done? We've already enforced evolution in their minds. Try to tell these kids that the Bible is true and their teacher is a liar. And yet you're going to send them back to school? And we only have a short period of time to be able to teach them the truth in this, in this location? Ken Ham, who is you know the, the man who helped bring about the answers in Genesis and the and the uh, the Ark Encounter, he said there's more freedoms in Australia, and they hate God, than there are in America. That should tell us something. We have a moral behavior, and we literally have created law upon law upon law. But when there is no support of God, laws mean nothing. Now, I know it's 12 o'clock, but I want to bring one more thing to you. Do we trust the laws of God over the laws of man? Let's just stop here for a moment. How many of you all love the Ten Commandments? Don't raise your hand. If we love the Ten Commandments then we should know the first of those Ten Commandments, shouldn't we? We should know that there shall be no other gods before me. We also 
though that we are not to blaspheme the name of God. We also know that we should keep his day holy, and so on and so forth. Before we ever We cannot just post a sign in our front yard saying, commandments. I need to read Exodus 20 over and again, where it speaks of the Ten Commandments. I need to rehearse them. There's a place that I used to work for when I was at uh, Focus on the Family, working with Christian Care Ministry. As you walked up to the door, there was a big stone that said the Ten Commandments, and we read them. On the back side was the Beatitudes. They go hand in hand, believe it or not. But the reality is, it was always the principle, God first. Now, it is because God lives in me through His Son, Jesus Christ, because I have the Holy Spirit in me, that I can look at you and love you and say the things that I do. The last passage of Scripture, and I, I know that it's late, but I'd like for you to bear with me. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, I want us to look at the, the, these measures, if you will. Now, again, I could read the entire chapter, and, and I'll read as much as I can, but I want you to look what it says. In James chapter 4, it starts off with verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you. In other words, internally. By the way, this is the same pastor of the church of Jerusalem. This is James the Letts, the brother of Jesus Christ. And he said, Come, come they not hence even of your lust, that war in your members? Do you desire to have precedence? Do you have desire to have power over the church? I, I don't have any of those desires. You lust and have not. You kill. You cannot You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. What, what, what should we ask for? Lord, make me more like you. This morning as I laid in my bed, that was my prayer. Lord, make me more like you. How does that happen? Number one, get into his word. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. And I, and I guarantee you, every one of us agree with that. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? In other words, unless you're willing to I, let me just say this. Yes, I love the sinner. Yes, I hate the sin. But when I'm a partaker of sin myself, it's hard for me to preach against sin. Everybody got it? Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you ever think the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? What is the lust that we have? Or what is the desire we should have? To be to God. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That's where we should be. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I am learning that every day because I don't 
know what true humility is. That being humble before God means you're God. I am not. When I bow my knee to the ground, I'm saying, Lord, you tell me that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that thou art the Lord Jesus Christ. I acknowledge by my bending knee, by my broken attitude, thou art God. Jesus Christ is God. And the Holy Spirit amongst us is God. How many of us can do that? Humility means I love you no matter what you may do against me. I'm going to share something with you. Many years ago, my kids looked at me and they said, Dad, how do you do it? I said, do what? They said, Dad, every day there's people that walk up and down your back that are members of this church. And yet you still love them. How do you do it? I'm going to give you the answer. I love them because Christ can love a sinner like me. Do you believe me? May we always walk in faithfulness to him. Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Help us, dear Father, to know your truth and your word in everything we say and do. Guide us and protect us now, we pray, and lead us in all things. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, Sister Brenda, if you'll come forward.